Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Folks, I want to share a message with you today um, which will follow on from the theme that we've been on for some time but will begin to orientate us towards our Easter season. Now, we had, especially the churches together in Pinelands, quite a few plans of coming together and doing church together in groups over Easter, all of which have, have, to be, have had to be uh, laid down at this time. But I want us to begin focusing our hearts towards the cross of Jesus and towards His glorious resurrection. This is a blessed and a, and a precious time for us as the church. And as you know, as I've been sharing, we're in a season of beautiful repentance. And what did we define that as? We defined that as simply turning to Jesus. Just hold on one sec. Siobhan, there's someone at the door. People are coming to church. Uh, it's turning to Jesus. Uh, that's what repentance is. And it's moving into the fullness of His life for us, of everything that He is and everything that He has come to give us. So, the title of my message today is, Out of the Old, Into the New. And I want to encourage you to take notes on the things I'm sharing with you today. Also, I encourage you to get one of these. It's called a Bible. Most of your Bibles look a little bit more like this. They're digital. But if you're using your device to look at me, then you might have, find it hard to look into the Word. So I encourage you to grab your Bibles. And I want to talk to you and follow on from this journey of repentance that we're on, this journey of turning to Jesus, our hearts, our affection towards Him, and understanding that repentance is about coming out of one thing into another, out of one pursuit to pursue something different, focusing on one thing to focus on something else. And it's at this point that I want to encourage you to focus more on where we are going to, focus more on what God is calling you to, than focusing on what He is calling you out of or calling you from. So let me give you an example. Sometimes when God speaks to you about a sinful attitude in your life, perhaps a sinful behavior, it's easy to get fixated on not doing the bad or to try and avoid and move on from what was. But the best way to do that is to put what was aside and to press into that which God is calling us into. The, 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 the secret, if you like, to repentance, to having that work be effective in our hearts, is to give ourselves completely to the pursuit of something. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this. It's a, it's a single verse. I'll read this one for you. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation... Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now that word behold is a key in this sentence. It's a word that I love because when, it's, when, when I see it in Scripture, it, it, it does two things. Number one, it speaks of evidence that can be seen, but it also speaks of vision, perception of something, a, a clear direction looking forward. So he says, when we come to Jesus, we're a new creation, Old things have passed away. Behold, look to that which is new. Look to, set your eyes upon, set your focus upon, not the old, not that which was, 
but into where it is that God is wanting you to go, into where it is that God has been speaking to you in your personal life. This morning, I want to encourage you through Scripture. We, we Really, all I want to do this morning is read to you a few Scripture verses concerning this principle and, and, and about drawing near to Jesus. The Bible has a lot to say about our relationship with God, obviously. And in our journey of repentance, there comes a point where we need to let go of that which was in order to shift into that which now is, this new creation reality of Jesus Christ inside of us. Now, revelation knowledge, as we know, is the catalyst that leads us to and through repentance. This is what we've been speaking about the past few weeks. I'm not going to reiterate all of that again, but we spoke about eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand. What, what are those things? Those are things that bring forth revelation knowledge, the knowledge that comes from God. Not natural understanding, but an understanding that brings with it life, grace, and anointing to bring about a change in my heart, empowering me to go in a different direction, to think in a different way, to understand things from a spiritual point of view according to the Word of God. And when we begin to capture the heart and the mind of God, we enter into a greater dimension of Christ-likeness. And that also means two things. It doesn't just mean that I become more like Jesus in my behavior. In other words, I, I don't sin so much, I, I, I behave in a better way. But my heart attitude and my mindset begins to, to, I begin to take on that of Jesus Christ himself. I begin to live my life from a place of peace and of rest. I live my life from the surety of knowing that I'm a son of God and that his spirit is with me and will never leave or forsake me. I live my life from the point of view of victory and blessing, not trying to earn those things, but knowing that they are fully in me and upon me. And as we've been sharing over the past few weeks, we have a role to play in pursuing this with everything that we've got. Folks, there's a lot of things we need to pursue out there. I shared with you uh, last week the, the thing that Pastor Frank uh, highlighted in my heart. I'd never heard it this way before. Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It doesn't say seek only the kingdom of God because there are other pursuits that are, that are legitimate in our lives, things that we need to look after, our families, our work, our children, education, all these kinds of things. They are noble and good pursuits. But there is one that must come above them all and it is one we need to give out the best that we have for. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything you've got put into this pursuit. And that's the role that you and I have to play. I'd like to ask you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to read from chapter 2. It's one of my favorite portions of Scripture. But it's, it's speaking about us coming as I've been sharing, out of the old, out of an old way of thinking, of doing things, and into something that is new, fresh, alive. You know, very often we run on, a, on the revelation that we had many years ago, or a long time ago. Uh, God speaks to us, and it brings direction, it brings encouragement, it brings faith, and we move on that, and we work in that. Um, but I believe with all my heart that Holy Spirit is constantly breathing over us fresh life, 
fresh words that revitalize our faith, that bring vitality into our relationship with God and cause it to spill out and to overflow. You know, when something is alive, it grows, it, it expresses itself, there's fruit. Uh, and when we look at the church today, there's a great lack of this. People are going about the, the, their thing, they're going about their normal routines, but is there life in it? Is there fruit? Is there growth? Is there vitality? Is there passion? Is there joy? That's why I say perhaps the shaking up of things has an opportunity for us to reconsider and relook at a number of things. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this from verse 9 I'm going to read. It says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who who love Him. Let's pause for a moment. There are wonderful things that God has prepared for you and for me. Revelation, blessing, grace, and anointing that you and I have not yet comprehended. We need to understand that. That's a, that's a great spiritual truth. And when we understand it, it awakens in our hearts and, and opens our hearts not only to an expectation to receive these things, but stirs us to pursue them. Because there's things that God has for you and for your life, callings, destinies, blessings, that you're not even aware of yet. Because God has not revealed them to you yet. But verse 10 goes on to say, But God has revealed them to us. How? Through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, that's the old things that have passed away, but the Spirit who is from God, why? That we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Now, the Greek language, as we know, it's a rich and a beautiful language. And there's two, there's two Greek words for two different kinds of knowledge. The one is gnosis, which is information. But the other word, the Greek word for knowledge, is epignosis, which is revelation. It is an understanding and a knowing of something that comes and is not the product of human reasoning, but comes by the enlightenment of our hearts and minds by the Spirit of God. The Apostle goes on to say, These things we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness to him. Let's pause there for a moment, folks. If we want to pursue God just with our mental faculties, a lot of the things are not, that God wants to lead you into are not going to make sense. When God called Abraham out of his country, it did not make sense. When God called Moses to go to Pharaoh, it didn't make sense. When he caused him to extend his staff and hit the, hit the water, it didn't make sense. When Jesus spoke to Peter and he said, cast your nets on the other side, it didn't make sense. They'd been fishing all night. But underlying all of those instructions was a faith and a trust in God 
that what he says has power in it and the ability to produce life. And if I trust him, I will take that word and put it to work that that life may produce and do what it is it needs to do, even though it doesn't make sense to my natural mind. Let's carry on. He who is spiritual, verse 15. He who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now concerning your situation, believer, concerning the, the, the factors that you are struggling with, each one of us, as I see you on my screens, is in a different place, not just geographically, but a different place in age, different places financially, different places occupationally. We each have our own struggles. And each one of your struggles is real and it's personal to you. What may be a struggle for me may not be a struggle for you. And what may be a struggle for you may not be a struggle to the next person. But you have a very real struggle that you're working through. There are things that you want to see in your life that haven't materialized yet. There are things that you want to move into with God, financially, occupationally, that you haven't entered into yet. And I want to say to you today and encourage you that God has a word for you. He has an opinion on where you are, and His delight would be to move you into that, to move you into the calling and the purpose that He has for your life, that through you He may be glorified, that through you you can produce fruit to the glory of His name and for the furtherance and the establishment of His kingdom. But again, this knowledge doesn't come just by praying a prayer or just by uh, uh, reading the Bible. It comes as the Holy Spirit moves over that word and breathes it on my heart. Partnering with the Holy Spirit is the only way to tap into the heart and mind of God for you. Now, there was a little video I was going to play for you this morning, but when we tested it on the medium, uh, it didn't work very well. The refresh rate just wasn't strong enough, so I'm, I'm unable to do that. But really what it was, it was an interview between Daniel Kalenda and I've forgotten who it is he was talking to, forgive me. But they were talking about prayer and making time for prayer, time to wait on God, to hear the voice of God. And the gentleman said something that was very interesting. Because Daniel Kalenda asked him and he said, what is the best way to learn? How do you pray? How do you teach people to pray, to wait on God, to hear His voice? He said, the best teacher of prayer is prayer itself. The best teacher on prayer is prayer itself. Giving yourself to prayer. Giving yourself to waiting on God. You see, very often, folks, the things that hold us back from what God has for us is simply that which is familiar. The familiar way of doing things. The familiar routine. The familiar expression of church and how it is worked out. And right now, our thinking and our experience of everything that is familiar to us is being shaken and it's being changed. And I want to say to you, there's good in that. The reason why it's happening is not good. I agree. But we can find the good in it to reevaluate and recalculate things. Folks, if our fellowship as a family, look, we are a, somewhere there, we're a family together, a spiritual family. If our fellowship, and our connection and our connectedness is dependent on a Sunday service, we've missed the point. That's just gathering together. That's not real connection. That's not family. 
Family is hearts sharing hearts. Family is genuine love, care, and concern for one another. That's what makes family. What makes family is me phoning my mom and dad saying, Mom, Dad, I don't want you to go shopping. I love you guys. We'll do all your shopping for you. Checking in on them. Are you okay? Are you keeping well? Family is phoning, you know, this one. I know you're going through a hard time right now. I'm praying for you. It's lifting one another up in prayer. It's committing them to the Lord. It's seeking out for their well-being. That's what family does. And during this time, we have an incredible opportunity to do that as we wait on God in prayer. I tuned into the Bible study that Craig and Siobhan facilitated on Wednesday evening, which, by the way, um, is open to everyone. Every Wednesday evening, between 6.30 and 7, this platform is going to be open, and I want to extend an open invitation to you. You don't need to come to the church anymore to be a part of that. It's live, it's going to be online, and there's no reason why you can't be a part of that. Come join us for Bible study. During the Bible study, Craig said something that so blessed my heart and it's been going through my head ever since Wednesday. They were reading and they're working through Matthew chapter 7 and they came to this portion of Scripture, Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8. It says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. The first thing that strikes me when I read that verse is there's no, it, it's a binary statement. It doesn't say ask and perhaps it will be given to you if you do this or if these circumstances are right. It's if you do this, this is the result. When you ask, it will be given. When you seek God, you will find Him. And when He knock, the door will be opened. There's this invitation which gives us an assurance that when we give ourselves to it, God will respond in a certain way. For everyone, everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. And this is talking about a persistence in prayer. And this is what Craig said, and it so blessed my heart. He said, if you keep asking, God will keep answering. If you keep seeking, if I keep seeking, he will keep on showing me. You see, sometimes, sometimes people try to show me things on the computer, like Stephen will try to help me with something technical on the computer, and he may have to show me a few times before the light bulb goes ding, ping, before I have the light bulb moment, before it sets in, before I get it, before it drops and I understand it. And he'll keep showing me until I get it. Then I'm self-sufficient. I can do it, you know, I, I know how it works then. He also said, the more I knock, the more God will open doors of opportunity for me to receive and to share. And Craig, I was just so blessed by that. Because so often we think of this, of this verse as a, we're begging God, and God, please show me, and please show me, and please show me, and a begging, and a asking, and a asking, and a begging. And it's just not like that at all. That's not the heart of God at all. When we ask, God shows us. Sometimes, we get stuck because of what we consider to be normal, because of our habits, our routines, our ways of thinking. But God will continue to show us and bless us until we get it. And then Craig also said this, when we come to God in prayer, it's important to involve Him in the conversation rather than just informing Him of how we feel 
or what it is that we think we need. What a beautiful statement. What a beautiful statement. When you come to God, have a conversation with Him that leads to involving Him in a conversation where I am not just sharing my heart with Him or lifting up my needs to Him, but listening for Him to speak to me. Going back to 2 Corinthians, I want to go to, verse, to chapter 3 now and read to you verses 16 to 18. It's talking, it's continuing on this theme of coming into the presence of God, of looking to God, and that as we do that as people, that there is a change that happens inside of us. Folks, I want to say to you, this is a divine mystery. It's a divine mystery. It's not something you can explain or articulate, but it's something that happens when we set our hearts and minds on God, we begin to change. It's the fruit, the blessedness, of repentance. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says this, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, that's repentance, focus, clear direction, pursuit, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now let me pause there for a moment. What is liberty? Liberty is freedom, the ability to choose. You get to choose. I want to say to you today that revelation knowledge belongs to those who choose Jesus, who choose to pursue Him. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You get to pursue God or you get to pursue your own desire. If you, get to, if you set your heart on pursuing God, He will say to you, so be it with you, according to your heart, I will give to you. But if you set your heart according to your own pursuits, God will say, so be it with you. You will have what it is that you desire. You will, you will get the fruit of whatever your pursuit is. Verse 18, but we all, with unveiled face, in other words, through Jesus Christ, every, every requirement, everything that, that, that caused us to, that, that came between us and God has been taken away. It's that whole question of, of, uh, of the psalm that we read. He who ascends the hill of the Lord needs to have clean hands and a pure heart. Jesus has taken care of all those things for us, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What a beautiful prayer. What a beautiful understanding that as we behold Jesus, something happens in us where we are transformed from our level of glory, from one level of understanding, of anointing, of, 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 of revelation. He begins to lift us to another level and another level and another level. As I said, though, folks, what this means is that if we want to move on in our walk with God and into the calling that He has on our lives individually and the plans and purposes that He has for us, we're going to have to let go of some things. Turn in your Bibles now with me to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to read from verse 14. I have a couple more scriptures to read, and I will close. And here I want to pick up once again on the principle of fasting, the importance of fasting. 
I mentioned it to you last week. We looked at Cornelius and how through Cornelius's pursuit of God with fasting and generous giving, it, the Bible says a memorial came before God. There was a pursuit in him that broke him out of his status quo and caused the Spirit of God to flow upon him. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 and 17, we see a story here which talks about moving out of the old, moving out of that which is familiar, moving out of what I know and that which was into the new that God has for me. We'll read from verse 14. One day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? So in other words, there was a spiritual uh, a discipline of fasting, which was common practice. And Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So Jesus is talking about himself as the bridegroom, and that while the bridegroom is there, they won't fast. But when he is taken away again, again, they will fast. Verse 16 begins to give us a key. Now, we've often heard this portion of Scripture, but we need to see that it is tied to what comes before, speaking specifically about fasting. Verse 16 says, Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. What is Jesus communicating here? He is saying to us that fasting helps us break the hold that the familiar and the old and what we think we know has on us in order for us to lay hold of that which is new, that which is extraordinary, that which is from above. Now, our mindsets are already being shaken concerning church, concerning our spiritual family, concerning church life during the season that we're in. And that's a good thing. Press into that. Speak to God about it. Allow Him to talk to you and have His Spirit minister to you. But I want to encourage you today of the wonderful blessing that fasting can be in our pursuit of letting go of old habits, in our journey of repentance and pressing, pressing into more of who God is and laying hold of the wonderful things that He has prepared for us, fasting plays a crucial and a critical role. It plays, if you like, an essential role. There's many different ways of fasting. Some people like what is called a Daniel fast. It's 20 fun day, 21 days of, it's not 20 fun days, it's 21 days of, of, of abstaining from certain kinds of food. Uh, I prefer sort of a two, three day fast of abstaining from all food. Whatever works for you to shut up and to silence the voice of your flesh, to silence your normal manner of reasoning so that and you can set yourself apart to the pursuit of revelation, knowledge, and understanding of what it is that God wants to do in your life personally as well as for us as a spiritual family. I want to close this time together today with a prayer that Paul prayed in line with what we've been sharing. Paul had a deep understanding of the need for revelation knowledge within the life of the church. And this is how he prayed for the church in Ephesus. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 19. And this is how he prays. 
He says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. This is what he prayed. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. We're talking here about revelation knowledge. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Again, that opening up of divine mystery that you may know what is the hope of His calling for you. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards you who believe. What a beautiful and incredible prayer. Folks, I want to say to you, I have a testimony of hearing God's voice at critical times in my life where He has guided me. The most recent one was, was an incredible time. I shared this with you folks as we came into the new year, where all the plans that I had for what I expected was going to be lying ahead for this year, God asked me to lay them down. God said, just lay it down. And it came with tremendous pain. I didn't understand why. I couldn't see what was ahead. But when a revelation knowledge entered my heart, it's something I had to pray and fast for for three days because there was a conflict in my heart. It was what I wanted, and there was, there was another voice speaking, and I needed to discern here, God, what are you saying? What is the voice of God here? And when God's voice broke through, light came. I knew what to do. And now I look at the situation we find ourselves in, having church on screen like this, and I go, wow, God, I am so glad I listened to you. Because every plan that I would have made and that I would have implemented would have been laid waste by this situation. And I look up and I go, thank you, God, for showing me. Thank you for speaking to me. Again, this past week, I showed you how God spoke to me as I waited upon Him, asked for wisdom and understanding concerning how we're going to go forward as a church. God brought peace to my heart. He enabled me to make a decision in faith, with faith, and to move by faith into the season we find ourselves in now. And it was a great blessing. Now there's so much more that God wants to show me personally about my life, about my family, and you too. This is the beautiful season of repentance that we are in. Turning to Jesus, knocking, asking, seeking, trusting that we will find. And that as we do so, with prayer, with diligence, and with fasting, God is going to speak to you in your situation. I truly believe that the Spirit of God is going to descend upon your home, upon my home, as you pursue Him in ways like you've never seen before. God is going to fill your heart with, with faith, with peace. He's going to lift your spirits to the point where that which is going on within you is going to begin bursting out. You're going to be reaching out. You're going to be sharing the gospel. You're, you're going to have wisdom concerning decisions that you need to make. Favor is going to break forth on your behalf as God works, words begin to come into your environment and as you begin to speak those words over your situation. That's where we're going to start going next week. Not just hearing from God, not just pressing in. That role has, that's the initial role. Next week we're going to talk about what do I do with what God says? The power of the tongue, faith, and works, and how they go together. So folks, that's what I have to share with you today. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.